Welcome back to another episode of the Kindhearted Badass Show. I am your host, Janine Kenna, and I am so excited to go on this kind-hearted, badass journey with you. Let's get to it. Okay, so I am here today, and this video was supposed to be live, but Misadventures is the name of the game in this group, right? So we don't know how to go live and do a Zoom at the same time. So we're just Zooming, and we are going to give you guys this video to watch later after we're done. What? (laughs) Imperfect action at its finest. That's right. We're just rolling with it. I have no idea what I'm doing. I have made that very clear and it keeps showing up over and over that I'm not kidding about that. So I am here today with my writing coach, book coach. I don't know. What's your title, Amanda? Uh, Amanda Turner is her name, but I don't really know what her title is. But she is a New York Times bestselling author. She has a new book coming out. When is your new book coming out? Soon. Soon. No release date yet? Okay. She has a new book coming out called How to Be Awkward, which sounds exactly up my alley. And probably most of you because you're here and you like me, which means you have to like awkward people. So we are going to talk today. I've gotten so many messages from you guys that say... Your book is making me want to write a book. (laughs) And then we go on to have a conversation about it. And there are a lot of fears that you guys are holding that are not necessary or things that you think are important for you to have to write a book. And I want to dive into first what it means for a first time author to write a book. So that's why we have Amanda here, because she taught me how to write a book. And so she's the expert in my world on writing a book. So thank you, Amanda, for being here and answering all of our questions. Thank you for having the courage to write your book. It does take courage. Writing a book is not an easy thing. And I've never written anything other than my own true stories. But I, and this is one of the questions I had written down for you, I feel like for me, writing a memoir is scarier than writing, than writing like fiction would be. Well, you are kind of like vomiting your whole life on the page. You're like, hey, everybody, here it is. Look at all the skeletons in my closet. So that part, the idea of that is scary. But honestly, once you do it, it's like having a secret. Once you put it out there, it doesn't mean it's it loses its power. So yes, the idea of putting yourself out there and talking about your life is scary. But once you do it, you're kind of like, oh, all right. Well, it's out there now. So I can stop. Right. That wasn't so bad. One of the like mantras of writing is write what you know. So what better place to start than with you, with your own experiences? And there are certainly, there are many people who memoir writing is not for at all, who are just too uncomfortable with that idea. But Most people I find feel that they have a story to tell. They feel that they, that there are people out there with whom they want to connect. And it's not always centered around humor. Parts of your story are very serious. There Mm -hmm. are people who've been through cancer or whatever, and they want to share their story because they know there are other people out there with whom they could connect and they could help. And that's really, that's what it's about. It's not about, There are lots of wonderful moments along the way, 
especially like when you finally hold your book in your hand, right? But what it's really about is connecting with the reader. That's what this all, that's the, where the importance of all this lies. It's in that connection that you're making. I agree. And I, one of the things that people say to me so often when they do come and say they want to write a book is that they feel like their life is not interesting enough to write about. Mm-hmm. And my book talks about like first birthday parties and breastfeeding, like this, this normal stuff that everybody goes through. There are some abnormal things like suicide in my book, but like most of it's just like normal stuff. So it's it's normal stuff that not everybody talks. Yeah, it might be normal. It might be something we all go through, but that doesn't mean that there's a lot of information out there about people sharing, you know, these experiences. And so that's important. The other thing about, oh, my life isn't interesting enough. I really got to call bullshit on that because everybody has a unique background and unique experiences and a unique perspective on the world. We all go through crazy stuff. Everybody's life has interesting aspects to it. So I just think I, and I've told people to do this before when they're like, I don't have anything to write about. I'm like, tell me about your life. And then they'll rattle on for five minutes. I'm like, okay, well you just spewed enough information for 10 books right there. So (laughs) because we're in our lives, like it can be boring and mundane to us. Go find your best friend and ask them what's most interesting about you. And I guarantee you, they're going to be like, right off the bat, this, that, and the other, and come up with a long list of things. So it's just sometimes we can't see it because we're so inside our own heads and we're so filled with self-doubt, you know. It's that you can't see the the forest because you're in the trees type of deal. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think I have found in the book when people are giving me feedback or sending me messages and saying, oh, or talking about a certain chapter, it is the most mundane ones. Like the birthday party, I get a lot of people talking to me about the birthday party. Like, oh man, my kid's first birthday party was a disaster too. And that connection over the regular stuff, that's where the connection happens. Mm -hmm. Because if you have all this, having like really things that don't happen to normal people does make an interesting story. But if you like skydive or whatever, I can't be like, Oh, I did that too. And people being able to say, Oh, me too. That happened to me too is where the connection happens in the book. Well, the other thing, hosting a kid's first birthday party might not be interesting if everything went as it was supposed to go, but that's not how those things go. Everything went wrong. That's, you and your theme and these Louise. Um, so <laughs> I'll never look at Buffalo Plaid the same way again. <laughs> right. You, you can take anything that people consider mundane. And if everything goes sideways, then you probably have a story there, no matter how mundane the initial idea of it first seems. Yes, I agree. What do you think the most common fears that you see as a writing coach that keep first-time authors from starting? What keeps people from taking the first step? I think the very basic thing is everybody loves the idea of it, right? The idea of creating this book, creating something people can relate to, of being an author, like all of that sounds great. 
And so they might get excited about it. They might read books on how to do it. They might even hire a coach. And then they go and they sit down and they stare at a computer for a while until they start to bleed out of their eyes. And then maybe they get like the courage up. They're like, okay, I'm going to actually write something. And they write those first few sentences or that first sentence. And then they reread it and they're like, oh my God, those are the worst words ever written. Like <laughs> those that what I just wrote is so awful. All that self-doubt plus 10. What they don't understand is that most great books began as a string of really terrible words put together. You have to allow yourself to go through that process of writing some really, really awful things. But most people, they're like, oh, I want to be a writer. This is going to be great. They sit down, they write something really awful, and then they're like, it's over. I'm really terrible. But that's the thing. I've written many, many books. Some of them are okay, but they all started out as crap, total crap. I'm not exaggerating. Like the first time you write something, it's probably going to be bad, but you have to allow that to happen. You have to go through that process because then later you can go back and be like, okay, if I tweak this, that'll make it a little bit better. If I tweak this and by tweak, I mean edit, this is the editing process. If, if you do that, then all of a sudden this thing that you were embarrassed to show anybody now might be a little bit entertaining or informative or whatever your goal is. So it's that initial thing because we think that writers sit down and like this magic happens and it's not that. They sit down and it's a slog. It's really, really hard. So when the magic doesn't happen right away, they often throw their hands up and say, forget it. But you got to go through that. I've told people before, like after I finish the first draft of a book, I get, I always put it aside. Like you finish the first draft, I give myself at least a few days off before I'm going to start the editing process. And in those few days, I have this crippling fear that I'm going to get hit by a truck and somebody's <laughs> going to find this, you know, 150 page manuscript and read this terrible, terrible book that I've written. Like I've even put a post-it note on the cover of a draft before. If I die, burn this shit because it's really awful and I haven't had a chance to edit it and I don't want to be judged on this. But that's part of the process. You have to do that. And you have to understand that many other writers do that. Now, as writers write more and more, eventually they might get to a point where their first draft is pretty good. Or maybe even their first draft is their final draft. I've never done anything like that. But just understanding that and, and allowing yourself that permission to do that. You, you have to do that if you want to uh, get to the point where you have something you've written that you're actually proud of. You got to be ashamed of it first. You have to be willing to suck. <laughs> and Heather, for anybody who missed it, can you please share your first chapter story? Yeah, so is, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I um, told this in the in the group on one of the lives, but the first thing I ever submitted to Amanda was not for my own book. It was for remember you were collecting stories about marriage and the first thing I sent you was about me and Chris and our YouTube dates and I swear to god guys she did not even email me back she called me and she was like no we got to start over <laughs> <laughs> that was how bad I was 
when I went in, started this process with Amanda, I had only been writing on social media and hadn't written since high school. Well, I was 37 years old or whatever when we started this. So I didn't know what I was doing. And I wrote like a whole long story, just like I would have written it on social media. And so I had to learn how to actually write a story and be okay going in because this is right before we started my book together be okay going into the book knowing that I had no idea even how to craft a story at all my first chapter by the time I got done with the book I had I cut the entire first chapter and rewrote it it was so bad just (laughs) so bad had nothing to do with the story the book like by the time the book was done this chapter it made no sense it was awful it was so bad I threw the whole thing out and rewrote an entire first chapter. That's the last thing I wrote. So here's the difference between an author and a wannabe author. When I called you and said, you need to change, I didn't say, nope. (laughs) She did not say that. (laughs) But I said, listen, you need to rework. You need to create the scene. You need to, you know, do this and that and the other. Instead of like running off and hiding in your closet and crying, you were like, okay. And you did it and you got to work. You were like, okay, all right. So I should do, and we talked through it and you did it. Yeah. And now you're an author, you know, you you didn't give up. You didn't throw your hands up. You were always open and willing to learn and willing, and you were always willing to take criticism and, and understand, okay, this is what I need to do to craft a story, to draw the reader in and to have continuity and flow and all of those things. So that willingness, like without that, people don't ever get it done. Yeah. And I don't think I ever took it as criticism. Now, when I got to editing, that man had me in the fetal position. I'm not kidding. You can ask Janine. I was like, fuck. Yeah. I was going to say, let's not pretend that we went through this entire process without any hiding in the closet crying. (laughs) No. In, in my time with Amanda writing my rough draft and then editing my own stuff, I never took it as criticism. I took it as learning. I need to learn how to do this better. When I got (laughs) to the copy editor, and so I didn't understand what copy editing was, apparently, and I got my book back, and I just skimmed through chapter one. But if you remember, chapter one was the last thing I wrote, and I got infinitely better at writing over the course of this book. So I thought it was all just going to be like commas and periods and stuff. And chapter, that's what chapter one was. It was just him fixing commas and dashes and telling me about in dashes and stuff. I was like, okay, I'll go back to this. This is what I thought it was. I just have to hit accept. It's going to be fine. And I put it aside for two months until I got to the point where I was supposed to be giving it to Albatross book company who did the... interior and formatting for the book and they're like waiting on me and I was like okay I'm I'm gonna go accept these edits take me about a week guys I'll get back with you and I got to chapter four it's not just uh dashes and commas so he's making all these notes and and they're like this is not funny this chapter I don't mean to say be so harsh on you but you're really overdoing it here and it's not funny at all and I mean he I called Janine I was like I closed my computer I was like I can't open it again I got to throw the whole book away I can never let anyone see this book (laughs) and I just that (laughs) at that point I was like I'm done can't do it 
And I had to sit there. If that other team wasn't like literally asking me, where's this book? I don't know if you guys would have ever seen it because at that point I was real sad. So but I did. Do you feel like he helped you make the book a better book? I left it. I left that chapter. Oh. <laughs> I could not stomach read rewriting it. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm done. I thought I was done. And there were a lot of things I did accept and did change, mm-hmm. like small things, but that or even like reworking, put this here or there. There are a lot of suggestions I did take, but on that chapter where he was like, none of this is funny and you're too hard on yourself. I was like, well, I mean, that's all true. And I cannot, <laughs> if I told this in a different way, I would just be lying to you guys because that's how I actually felt about those stories about being a mother. So eventually after I sat with it long enough, I was like, well, I'm just going to leave it. And if I lose readers on chapter four, I lose them on chapter four. And it has turned out fine so far, but he did make me, he did make the book better. But when you're writing your own stories and someone is like, well, this is real bad. After you thought you made it good, then I was like, oh, that's a gut punch. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of parts of writing a book that are a little gut punchy. I mean, I'm not going to lie about it. Like, it's not, you're, it's not going to be a cakewalk. A lot of the time when you're really in it and you're doing the hard work, it's not fun either. You can ask anybody who's working as a full-time writer and they'll probably say, I love my job. I have the dream job. I wouldn't want to do anything else. But that doesn't mean when they're in it and, and putting in those hours that it's fun because it's often not. Yeah. And I wrote that whole book at 5 a.m., like one hour at a time at 5 a.m. And I had to train myself to wake up that early because I have little kids and trying to write with, I mean, you've, you've said several times that you won't write a book if your kids are out of school. (laughs) Well, we started writing our, this book together in 2020. Uh, no kids were in school. Mm-hmm. I would just have to wake up really early. And like, there were a lot of mornings where I was like, I do not want to get up and do that. I do not want to do this. Mm-hmm. And I just, you just do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Yep. You got to. If, I, it's like, how bad do you want it? If you want it, you got to do it. You know? Yeah. Um, I've talked to a lot of writers who are like, I just don't have time to write, you know, but then they can tell you everything that's happened on America's Got Talent. And I'm like, wait, you don't have time to write, but what do you do in your day that you can cut out? For you, you were sacrificing an extra hour of sleep every morning. And that's hard. A lot of people have easier fixes, but they might feel more painful. But I love dancing with the stars, you know. That's fine, but you got to sometimes make those choices. What do you really want? Do you want to see everything that happens on a season of television or do you want to have a finished manuscript? Yeah. And I think, and this will segue to the, one of these other questions that I have working with a coach is probably the only reason that my book is done because it, if I were just left to my own devices, I would have given up probably a lot of times, but I knew you were waiting for me. 
And so like kind of talk people who are brand new to writing or being want to be an author, what the benefits of working with a coach are. Well, uh, accountability is, is key, but everybody needs something different. Some people just need a cheerleader. Some people just need someone to be like, great job, people, and you're doing awesome. Some people need some direction. I would say you benefited from a little direction and a little bit of structure just in that accountability. But you were really the ideal first-time author because I would be like, do this. And you'd say, okay, and you'd go do it. A lot of people, I'll be like, do this. And they'll be like, okay. And then three months later, they'll be like, hey, so what What was I supposed to be working on? Or, you know, <laughs> like you took it seriously and you did it. You're going to get out of it what you put into it. A coach is not going to magically make words flow out of your fingertips. It's You still have to put in the work. But if you need some like I said, encouragement, accountability, some structure, and some some direction along the way, then a coach could be really good in helping you um, with that. I've always struggled a little bit with the word coach because anybody can be like, oh, I'm a coach. There are plenty of good coaches out there. Um, there are, I'm sure, a million that are really, really awful. So um, I think if you are going to work with someone, the first thing you have to do is, is make sure you're a good personality fit uh, you and I are great personalities. Um, yeah. But I, I think, unfortunately, a lot of people hire a coach because they think, you know, when we have a problem and or we're looking for some solution and we don't know how to get there, a lot of people, if they have the means to throw money at it and that'll help. And you can throw money at a coach, but if you don't do the work also, it, you're not going to get anywhere. And so that's what I, I would just caution people. Um, don't hire a coach thinking they're going to sprinkle some fairy dust on you and it's all going to be good. You, you still have to do the work. So <coughs> keep that in mind. But yeah. The first book that I published, I uh, had two critique partners and we formed this critique group. We met randomly at a writer's event. We didn't know each other well, totally different backgrounds, wrote in totally different genres. But we said, hey, well, we're each working on a book right now. Let's meet once a week at Barnes & Noble and we'll give each other feedback. And so the deal was before the day before you had to email your work to the two other people. So they had a chance to review it. So then when, when we met, we could just go over the feedback. But that was weekly accountability that kept each of us moving. Um, the other benefit of that scenario was that we were getting feedback from two different perspectives, you know, two people from completely different walks of life. And so that, that was really beneficial. So some people need a coach. Some people just need an accountability partner. Some people need a critique group. Um, I know lots of people who really just need a supportive spouse. You know, if they just had that element, that could be huge for them. Um, people have said to me before, like, oh my gosh, you're so productive. How have you written so many books? And, you know, I'm like, well, I have a husband who's really supportive. Like, he is, if I'm like, I need time, he's like, okay, when do you want it? Should I take the kids? You know, he's like really behind me. And so that makes a huge difference. 
Um, I know a lot of people who have the opposite. They have people who maybe belittle their their aspirations. And I've told people who have that, I'm like, if, if there's somebody in your life who's not supportive of your writing, stop talking to them about your writing. Yeah. Stop talking to them, you know, because they're not worthy of you spending that energy discussing it with them. So that's huge. I see that a lot, particularly with, with women. I see that a lot. Yeah. And I think so, it's important to remember that, like, somebody can be an amazing person for you in one way and not be able to support you in something else because they absolutely. just don't understand. Absolutely. And that's, that's how relationships work, you know. Yeah. Everybody can't be everything to everyone. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about qualifications to write a book. We started talking about this before we started recording. Several people have said things like, I didn't finish, and I felt this a little bit, like I didn't finish college. I don't know how to actually write things. So that's what kept me, took me so long to actually write a book. And I don't know if I hadn't met you, if I still would have written a book. Like we, you were just, like we met just serendipitously at, a, at the right time for me to, to jump in. Like, but so someone recently said, oh, I'm going to, I need to, I think I'm going to get an MFA. And I said, what's an MFA? Like, I, I don't even know what that is. Uh, it's a master's of fine arts, apparently, because I want to write a book. And I was like, why do you need that? And they were like, I don't just thought I might need that. And I'm like, well, I, I don't, I didn't even finish community college. So like, you definitely don't need that. So like, what kind of qualifications do people need to write a book? Um, you have to have the tenacity to see it through. That's basically. Um, I, I did finish college with a degree in Russian and I write all my books in English. So you know, <laughs> that didn't really help me at all. Um, and then there was a time where I was like, oh, maybe I should get an MFA. You know, this is what, like, I know a lot of the, the more literary crowd in my town and all the MFAs and, and whatnot. It should be noted that there are lots of people with MFAs who've written really terrible books. So it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to write a great book. But an MFA, if you want to write and you're like, oh, what's the equivalent of higher education? It's a master's of fine arts in creative writing uh, or creative nonfiction. Before I wrote my first book, I was like, oh, maybe I should get an MFA if I want to be a writer. Well, since I knew a lot of the uh, professors at the writing department of the university in the town where I live, I set up a few lunch dates, like three lunch dates with three people who worked there in the writing department. And uh, I met um, the first one and he was like, yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's pretty pricey. You can do a lot of reading, you know. And I met with the second one who later went on to win a Pulitzer Prize. Um, and he was like, you know, Amanda, if you don't want to spend the money, I can just give you the reading list. So basically he was, we're going to read a lot of, a lot of books. And he was like, I can just give you the reading list. And then the third one with whom I met said, uh, why the, would you want to do that? Like yeah. he worked in the department and he was like, why would you do that? And I'm not saying, I am not saying it is a bad thing. And for some people, they want to do it. They enjoy it. It, it, it definitely will make you a better writer. Um, 
especially if you want to maybe go down that literary path, you know, I want to make people laugh. Yeah. I want to make, I want to make people smile. I want to make them feel better. Um, so ultimately I, I'm glad I did not go down that, that path. So if, if people want to do that, that's fine, but it is not a prerequisite for writing a book. You, you need time and space and a writing utensil. Like that should be your basic time, space, writing utensil and go like, uh, that's, that's really what you need to start. Um, now a lot of other things will come along the way, encouragement and, you know, a bit of a confidence, um, which can be tricky to maintain, but, uh, no, you don't need any, any qualifications to do it. And that, and I'm not saying also that, um, if you don't have any qualifications, that means you can only publish blogs or, you know, with self-publishing now, anybody can publish. Um, and that doesn't mean that you have to self-publish. You could probably still traditionally publish. There are so many avenues open to people, um, but no, a, a lack of degree, even a lack of a high school diploma should not prohibit anybody from writing. Um, and really the, the best thing you can do if you want to train yourself to be a better writer is read and write. Read as much as you can and write as much as you can. Even when those words are total crap and they bring all that self-doubt back, just remind yourself that's what you have to go through to get better. It's all just part of the process. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, you just have to be willing to suck. You definitely have to have that qualification. You have to be willing to suck. Like, yep. and, and be fine with it and just yeah. know you're going to suck. You just trust in the process. Trust that if I, if I just let myself get through this, I'm going to get to the other side and it's going to get better. Yeah. So that you mentioned self-publishing. I also have that on my list of things to talk to you about. So many people, uh, I'm in a, like a money mindset group and there are a lot of authors in there mm -hmm. and a lot of them run up against this belief that they're not real authors if they self-publish. And so they hesitate to like really step into their like role or step into that title of author. Talk to me about self-publishing and the stigma around it. And I feel like it's come so far so quickly that there really isn't that stigma anymore that people believe there is it's changed a lot um so i i felt that when i was first publishing now keep in mind that was 10 years ago uh that was 2012 i had a relationship with an agent or with an editor at penguin and she liked my stuff and we went back and forth and i was like oh my gosh i'm gonna publish through penguin and it fell through and then I was devastated, so I was crying in the closet for a while. And then, <laughs> and then I decided, okay, I'm going to self-publish. And it felt like it felt like failure. It felt like you know, because it it has it had maybe still has a little bit of this stigma around it. Um, and so I self-published it. And that book later went on to make the New York Times bestseller list. So I was like, oh, that that thing that happened actually wasn't a failure. It was all part of the journey. Um, so since that time, 
I have self-published. I self-published my first series, a three book series. Then I hybrid published my next series, a four book series. And then that very first book was picked up and a new edition was traditionally published. So I've done all of the, the different types of publishing and I'll be self-publishing my next book. And I know plenty of like, especially in, as I was talking about the literary crowd, um, the more academic crowd, um, there are plenty of people in those circles who would not dream of doing that and who, you know, won't read a self-published book. Although you can be fooled these days and not really even know. The stigma for me, having, having explored all of those different avenues, it's gone because I, I see that the quality of your book uh, can be at one end of the spectrum or the other, no matter which way you're publishing. I have read books published by major publishing houses, you know, that are terrible. And I'm like, where was the editor? Did they forget to give this to the editor? Like what, what happened here? And then I've read self-published books that have been really fantastic, really well edited. So, you know, I think these days people really need to look at, talk to people who've, who've been through those different means of publishing and figure out what's gonna fit you best. In terms of the people who have self-published and are struggling to like own that identity as an author, I have to, you know, is there something more there? Are they not proud of the book? If you're not proud of the book, then you're going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I kind of wrote a book, but I just self-published it. They're going to use language like that. Like, I just self-published it because maybe they're not fully confident in what they did or, or you know, they wish they would have gone through another round of edits or, or something like that. But if you have written a book and put it out there, for public consumption, then you have authored a book. You have birthed the pages. You are an author, you know. Um, yeah. That's just really something to be to be proud of, I think. I think if people are struggling with that, they're struggling with that overall confidence in their work, it probably has to do more with that than their actual means of publishing. That's a guess. I have found so many, so like several people have said like, well, I've never, I've never known an author before. And like, like taught, I'm like, I am the same human I was last week guys before I was an author. And so I think that people have this like weird view of what it means to be an author. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, I'm just still living in my double wide trailer on my farm. I'm not fancy. Okay. It, you don't have to be something to be an author. You just have to write a book. Anybody yeah. can do it. That's, that perception is the same with any profession in the arts. You know, you think of an actor and you think of whoever you think of. My children think of Tom Holland. He's the, the, the dish of the day for them. But um, for every actor like that, who you think of, or Julie Roberts or Paul Newman, you know, I'm trying to get multiple generations in here. Um, <laughs> For every actor like that, there are a million actors who are waiting tables, trying to pay the bills. And like, so people who think like, oh, I've never met a writer before. You actually have. <laughs> They're just not famous. You know, most right. of us are not famous. 
and we still dog poop and do the dishes and all of those things that's that's uh that's just the way it is but sometimes you don't realize that until you get on the inside of that we think but like i said that's any profession in the arts you think of of musicians and you think of you know adele and for every adele there are millions and millions of people out there just logging away doing what they love even though it may never make them famous right and and you can have a career doing what you love even i mean a musician might be like the high school band director he's still a musician and like doing what he loves you know what i mean but you don't have to be the next whoever author i don't know uh to to write a book you you didn't fail if you didn't become like right whoever's that's never that's never the goal the goal is to connect with one reader that's the goal yeah and i at towards the end of and I don't know how many books I've sold so far. I have I have literally no idea because I don't know how to do any of the stuff. So I don't even know how to check it. Um, or if you can check it, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so I don't. You're supposed know. to tell me that, so you didn't look at the numbers. But I forgot all about that until just now. <laughs> yeah, and I um, did kind of get a little worried toward like, right before we were starting this process, what, what goals am I supposed to have? What am I supposed to do? And I texted you and I was like, how do you even make a goal? And then I went to every other author I know and was like, how do you make a goal? What was, what is the goal? And then multiple, most of them said, you don't make a goal. You just don't. And you just hope somebody reads your book and then you talk to them about it. And so after hearing it enough times, because I sought out a community of other authors. So now I have several people to go to, to ask these questions. I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to give up and good thing. Cause I don't even know how to check it to know if I did good job or not. <laughs> so but you, but you're doing a great job. You created a launch team. You I did. things happening like that. And I'm sure I felt so bad when you texted me and asked me that. And my answer, I'm, I'm sure it was a little bit depressing, but I, I it's so easy to put the, you know, these metrics on everything and, and have these goals. And I, I think, especially in the age of technology and social media, that people get so caught up in, uh, okay, well, I'll do this ad campaign or I'll do this blog hop or the, you know this that and the other and i there are lots of writers who, who i said why don't you pick up the phone and call someone who you think might enjoy your book and have a conversation with them um or try to have some face-to-face one-on-one interaction with people like we've we we're now so set on scale like everything is scale right and i'm like things can get lost in there that connection can get lost that human connection and so if you can stop worrying about scale and worry more about being authentic being real and making a real connection i think it's going to serve you better in the long run you know it's the, the whole thing about you know having true fans versus millions of fans right mm-hmm. you want people who are who are who are not gonna like, I don't know, just 
just say they're a fan. You want someone to say, oh my gosh, I just finished this book. You have to read it. Yeah. That's what you want. Word of mouth is still the best thing. And your best way of doing that, yes, you have to get the book in the reader's hands, but to write the best book you can. Write a book that people are going to want to tell their neighbors about. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know if I've done that yet. You absolutely did that. You absolutely did that. Yeah. No question it's, about it. It's hard to look at your own work that way, you know. To yeah. I think as, as a writer, you're always going to have... Um, I think like Amanda was saying before, that's, that's probably a big thing with any of like the creative arts, fine arts. Like, I mean, not that it's the same at all, but like, I can't go back and listen to my podcast episodes. I think they're all horrible. (laughs) But meanwhile, I get people texting me like, oh my God, that was amazing. You brought me to tears. And I know that that's a lot of what you're going through too, Heather, because I, I, I see it happening. I see all the amazing feedback you're getting. And it is, it's very hard to judge yourself fairly or not even, even, it's hard to even judge yourself, not harshly. Yeah, it's difficult to say. I mean, I am really proud of the book. I'm proud of, of how it turned out and how it, and the growth that happened because I can look back to, because nobody else knows except for me and Amanda, how that book looked in the beginning versus what, it looks like now. So like, I am proud of my, myself for that, but I don't know that I'll ever have the ability to say like, I'm a good writer. Like I, I definitely got better. I don't know that I'll ever be like, I'm awesome at writing. And so I think there's always going to be that. Well, I still feel that way too. And I've written a number of books, but I, I mean, I, because I can read you know, something where I'm like, oh my gosh, that book was amazing. I will never be able to write that book. But, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. So yeah, yeah, you're, you're proud of the work you did. And that's what matters. It brought you joy. It brought you happiness. And it is absolutely bringing joy and happiness to your readers. Also, so I mean, if anybody gets to the point where they're like, I'm a great writer, that pretty much tells me they've stopped having any willingness to learn. I never want to stop learning. I always yeah. want to improve. I, oh, there's always room for improvement. There's always room to get better. So you have to look at it as a journey, not like, I did this. What's my grade on it? It's a journey process. Yeah, <clears throat> totally. Okay. I've asked all my questions that I wrote yeah. down. I think you pretty much answered mine, Amanda, because they were all going to be about what it was like to work with Heather. But do you have anything else to add about what were some of your maybe a, a funny something that happened or some behind the scenes story you um, can share with us about working with Heather? I would just say that I've worked with a number of people and the joy in working with Heather truly is in like, she never really needed a pat on the back. But the fact that I would be like, okay, now I think you should do this. And she'd be like, okay. And she'd hang up the phone and she'd go do it. That's ideal. So any self-doubt you did have, Heather, you did a good job at really like pushing that down and just getting the work done. That's that's the ideal person to work with right there. So I, I'll, I will tell you one thing that I thought was interesting. When I had that first book and I had this editor who liked some of my stuff, when I first showed her what I had, it was like some of it was funny, some of it was serious. And she got back to me and she was like, don't you know you're a humor writer? 
And I was like, oh, no, I didn't. She's like, yeah, make that your focus. When Heather first showed me her stuff, like there was serious stuff and there was funny stuff. I was like, oh, my gosh, don't you know you're a humor writer? And I mean, it was exact. She was like, oh, I am. And I was like, yeah, you are. You're funny. She's like, really? I'm like, yeah. So that, that was like really interesting for me. It was a really cool parallel to see that. And then so much of it and it is like what I could do for Heather was basically when I was reading her stuff to say, tell me more about this. Tell me more about this. This is golden. Tell me more about this. And still when I write, I need that same thing. I get that same thing from my editor or from my husband when he'll read my stuff like a lot of the time we're good at writing getting the basics down but we need another pair of eyes to say this right here this is what you need to write tell me more about this part tell me more about this part and the fact that she was just always so respect receptive to that and, and willing to put in the work that was just a joy yeah. yeah a lot of the feedback that I would get from Amanda over the course of our time together was like, take this story further. Like she really drilled into me to take this story as far as it can go. Like you can always cut it back. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes I would have to, sometimes I would get on this crazy tangent and cut four pages out, but the two pages before that never would have happened if I didn't take the story all the way to the end. And Heather's tangents are fantastic. She'd be like, oh, I go off on a tangent here. And I'm like, no, give me more tangent. Because often if you just let yourself go, like you find like a hilarious news story that you didn't know you were going to write about. I mean, sometimes there's gold in there, but same thing. You have to give yourself permission to do that. You got to take the time in and it's really hard to spend precious time writing words that you know will probably be cut later. That's a really hard thing to wrap your mind around. Mm -hmm. But you need to do that if you want to get there. Yeah. One of the people who said, oh, your book is making me want to write a book is a mutual friend of ours who is actually writing her rough draft right now. And she said, I was asking her about her outline and she said, I have it, I feel good, but I don't know how to, end it. I don't know how to wrap it up. And I was like, Oh, don't worry about that. Your book's going to tell you like I have found over the course of, and my book took me twice as long as I thought it was going to, to finish because life happened. And I kept having to come back to it and come back to it and come back to it. But the, the book became its own thing. Like it was no longer like when you let yourself follow those tangents or take things further it becomes something that you didn't see it being in the beginning. Do you remember what your original title was? Yeah, I do. It was it was that thing that Ryan said to me. Can't I'll come up with it. Yeah, but but it's You're, different, right? It was it's, it's totally different. Something totally different. Yes, it's completely different. Can't Heather? Can't can't you just play along or something like that? It was something yeah. about me not following the rules. Right. <laughs> You're like, no. As I'm, well, if that's going to bring all three of us where we are right now, <laughs> that, that was Ryan France that said that to me. I don't, I don't remember what it was, but I was causing trouble somewhere. 
<laughs> which is the name of the game for me, I guess, as I'm on Facebook restrictions still. So, so but I think if, if you guys are watching this and you want to write a book, like my biggest piece of advice is first of all, get help if you need it, but you don't, you don't need as much help as you think you do. And to be persistent, like you just, there were many times I could have quit. A lot of shit happened over the course of two years for it in this time. But if you really want to write a book, like just keep coming back to it. There's no time limit. There's nothing that says it's good. You need to have be done in six months or a year. It took me two years or five years or whatever. Like no one says the book is only good if you got it done in six months. Like just take however long time it, it takes. My doesn't matter. Five years. Your first book took five years. Yeah. That's good to know. I didn't know that. I mean, it's, if you don't start, you're never going to finish. So you just have to, you just have to start. Yeah. So thank you so much for being here today. Where can everyone find you and where can they find out about your next book? So it's a really complicated website. It's amandaturner.com. Oh, I don't know if we can handle that. Amandaturner.com. <laughs> and um, if you scroll to the bottom of the first page, there's a free like outlining workshop, just a free video that'll walk you through how to outline. And then that'll lead you to ask you if you want to sign up for the masterclass, which is a two week class. Um, and then if you want to, I have a writing retreat in Mexico. But so yeah, you can learn more about all that at amandaturner.com. Yay. Is that the same masterclass that I took? Is it the same content? Okay, yeah. cool. And Janine took it too. So guys, get that masterclass. It's a really good outline of like overview of all of the steps from brain dumping to publishing. Like it's a really good bird's eye view of what it means to write a book, like all the steps that you. And look at that class, the outlining workshop, that's free. So it doesn't cost you anything. And it's just a means of helping you like wrap your head around how to get started. Awesome. All right. Thank you for being here. And everyone go find Amanda at amandaturner.com. And also she's inside the launch group. You, If you want to ask her a question, just tag her underneath this video. And she's not on Facebook a lot, but if she sees your notification, she will answer you. I will try to look. Yes. If I see things, I always answer. So if I don't answer, it's just that I don't see it. Yeah. She is not as social on social media <laughs> as I am. And Heather's but... really good because she'll just text you and be like, hey, you need to get okay. on there and see this because she does it to me all the time. <laughs> That's exactly what I need. That's all I need. Awesome. Yeah. 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 So we will make sure if you have a question for Amanda that she gives you the answer in some way. So go ahead and and comment below here if you have questions for her and or if you have questions for me or Janine and thank you for watching today and thank you for being here Amanda thank you for having me